0: Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, a show dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, insight, and encouragement you need to live a rich and meaningful life now, while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Josh Rashid, and today I am here with Olina Livermore. Is that right? Yeah. How do you say it?
1: Yeah, that's right. Exactly uh, right. Alina, Alina yeah, you were good at it. Perfect,
0: perfect. Um, Alina and I were on a panel together, a panel discussion on how to choose where to live here at Nomad Capitalist Live. And Alina, I thought you just had such an interesting story that I wanted to just share it with my audience and talk briefly a little bit about your story. So you were born and raised in Ukraine, is that right?
1: Yes, that's right. I was born in Ukraine and. Basically, I grew up there and went to university there in the uh, eastern part of Ukraine, in okay. Donetsk region.
0: But yet you left Ukraine unexpectedly. What happened?
1: Well, um, now I've been moving around, but I had never planned that. I always wanted to settle down in Ukraine, in Donetsk. But in 2014, this conflict started, like the war started, and I had no choice but leave.
0: Okay, so 2014 there was a war. Who was the war with? <laughs>
1: Well, it's, at first it was like really vague and no one could understand what's going on because, um, you know, in Ukraine, they passed this law about the language because in Eastern part of Ukraine, people speak Russian mostly. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I'd say that most people speak Russian in Ukraine and west of Ukraine, they speak Ukrainian and then they pass the language that you have to speak Ukrainian. Okay. But in Eastern part of Ukraine, lots of people uh, were really angry about that. And we're so used in um, speaking Russian and using Russian everywhere at universities schools and stuff like that and people were already a bit angry and then they decided to organize this referendum and how they explained it it's like okay let's just become like an independent state right like um, part of ukraine but just with our own language and maybe our own rules that's what people were told but in referendum actually the question was like if you want to be independent and some people like a lot of people participated in that referendum because they were angry about the language and things like that and then um, basically like in a couple of days uh, all of this news about separatism and a lot of tanks came in like to our region, and they started like uh, shooting at the airport. So they started from the airport area. Like they started destroying infrastructure and things like that. And I can't tell for sure like what really happened. Uh, lots of people say that Russian troops were involved. Like they showed in the news. Like personally, at that point, I was there and um, I was leaving to another country. Yeah, on holiday because I didn't know that, like, I didn't expect it would start. And I left. uh, But when I was leaving, there were already a lot of military and like tanks there. And they stopped me and checked my passport and things like that. And while I was on holiday, it was getting worse and worse. And my parents called me and they said, like, you can't come back home. You just go somewhere and wait. But I didn't know where to wait because at that point I was like, Uh, just a young graduate I had a job but my employer didn't pay me money because of the war and I ran out of money and then my parents kind of sorted out they called my friend's parents and they found out that there is like my friend's aunt who can like uh, host me for a while and she was in St. Petersburg and we came from Spain from our holiday to St. Petersburg just to wait and we had no money after holiday my employer didn't pay me money and uh, we just were kind of stuck in St. Petersburg. And we were like, okay, we'll wait for months, just go back to Donetsk and continue our job. We were like English teachers. And uh, yeah, just time, time just was going by and it was quite stressful. Like when people ask me if I like St. Petersburg, <laughs> I like it as a city, but it was a stress, like stressful period of my life. And I, I remember I was calling my parents, but the internet was like sometimes down. Sometimes they answered their phone and like, they just disappeared like oh they started shooting again and yeah it was the most stressful time in my life and then we decided like to stay in russia for a bit and start looking for a job because there is no way we could come back and started our life from scratch basically with my friend
0: did your parents stay in ukraine where the war was happening but you were in st petersburg or did they also flee to st petersburg with you
1: right uh my parents stayed there yeah they, they were there and my grandparents Uh, But they already were planning kind of to leave um, somewhere else. My grandparents just didn't want to leave. It's hard for them to move and they're kind of, no, we're going to just stay and die there, whatever happens. But you can't help those who don't want help, you know. I tried to convince my grandparents, but they didn't want to leave. But my parents did move eventually to another region in Ukraine uh, because their company moved where they worked and uh, yeah, they stayed there. But. They had to rent apartments again, start all over again. They lost all their jobs because my mom, for example, she worked uh, on a train, uh, but everything was shut, airport destroyed, like train infrastructure was all, all shut down. Like you, you you, don't have any connection like with the, the rest of Ukraine, even with Russia. And yeah, she lost her job, my dad lost her job and they had to move and start everything all over. And I was helping them for a while and right now We bought a house in another region and my parents are living in that house.
0: Wow. So you decided to stay in Russia. You had graduated from school, but here you were, no money, a new place, can't go home because of the war. How did you stay in Russia? Are you a Russian citizen?
1: No, I'm not a Russian citizen. Uh, Well, uh, because I have a Ukrainian passport, I can stay in Russia for three months. But uh, when the war started, uh, they let us uh, extend that stay because we were refugees. So I had like every three months I had to go to the immigration office and to extend my stay. But it's like, it's always like you never know what's going to happen because sometimes they extend it. Sometimes they can say, just go back. Everything is fine there. And it's like unstable. You're kind of trying to build your new life. Like, you have a job, you already have, like, friends and maybe some some connections, and you extend it every time, and you don't know. Okay, maybe one day they'll say, okay, you cannot be a refugee anymore. You have to go back because they stopped shooting. And it was, like, you know, unstable, and um, I was looking... Uh, for other options, and that's when I decided to go to another country, to start looking for a job in another country. Of course,
0: of course. Okay, so what I'm really interested about is this is a modern-day story, right? So much in, in what I talk about, sometimes you feel like you're just talking about things 75 years ago. Uh, And yet, this is this is less than this is seven years ago. Yeah, Uh, exactly. And it's going
1: on now, just from time to time. Is
0: there still sporadic violence there? Yeah, you
1: can hear shooting uh, on the border, and people are so used to it. It's like at first we were all nervous. Yeah, lots. Like we cried all the time when I called my parents, grandparents. But now, you know, it became like. Oh, hey, how are you going? No, it's fine. They started shooting again. We heard it it today. It's like, you know, like they call it like shock shock vaccine or something. Like when people see like all and hear all of this, they just got like they're getting used to it. And it's just like part of their life. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And I kind of got used to it as well, like right. mm, from now and then you can hear and maybe seeing the news, Ukraine again, and the Netsk region and Russian troops are there now at the border. So people are a bit worried now that it will start in summer. And um, today when we were listening to Saakashvili, he mentioned that it might start in summer all over again. I hope it won't be that extreme like it was in 2014. Um, but yeah, I can say that it's still in the conflict zone and I still, uh, can't go home as I used to because I have to go through a lot of military checkpoints and I have to apply for a special pass to get home.
0: Wow. So you were a Ukrainian, a young, fresh out of college graduate, Ukrainian citizen living as a refugee in Russia, no money. Your parents are not able to help very much. What did you do then?
1: Well, yeah, in Russia, uh, well, at first, you know, uh, I've got to say a good thing about Slavic countries is that when you're a friend, you're like part of a family. Yeah, like Russians and Slavics, they might be a bit cold and rude. It's like seem to be rude. It's part of our culture. But when you become a friend, you're literally like part of a family. And I lived in my friend's aunt's house for several months. Like she fed me, she gave me lunch boxes. She even gave me money like for a bus when I started working. What a and when I got my first salary, uh, me and my friend we decided like to rent an apartment together and share like the, the the cost of rent and then I found another job. So like I worked from Monday to Friday at one company, like was teaching in the language center and at the weekend in the other and helping parents a bit. Uh, so yeah it was pretty stressful time but uh, just because of help of these people who are not even related to me and when I tell the story like to my husband who is from New Zealand he's like amazed like how oh, people just can help like that. And I'm really grateful, yeah, for this part and uh, I'm grateful that yeah there are some people who helped. I'm pretty sure it's not only about Russia or Ukraine, even if two countries are in a conflict people are still, you can always find these kind people who can help.
0: But you were able to get a job teaching English because of your excellent English skills.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, my education is an English teacher. So okay. yeah, I have master's uh, in linguistics. Great. Uh, well, yeah, it, I, I thought it would be challenging, right? I don't know, because like in many language centers like in St. Petersburg, they prefer native speakers and uh, they usually employ native speakers and uh, especially in big cities like St. Petersburg and Moscow, everyone wants to go there. It's like an experience, but yeah, I easily found one but the problem was with my work permit um like I was trying to apply for one and it took so long eventually I even didn't get it in uh, Russia yeah Okay. Yeah, because uh, if you're uh, like a foreigner, like a proper foreigner from another country, because like Ukrainians are not really like considered their foreigners. Yeah, you're a foreigner, but right. you speak Russian and you have the same culture and things like that. So for foreigners, they take care of your documents. But for Ukrainians, there were so many refugees at that point and they were like processing it so long. I, uh, Yeah, I didn't get it. We left and we found a job in another country. Where did you go? Uh, well, I met my husband in St. Petersburg, okay. uh, Blake. Uh, and he, he
0: was New Zealand. Yeah, he's a New
1: Zealander. But
0: he was living in St. Petersburg? He was an
1: English teacher as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, We met at the same school. like We worked in the same company. We were teaching adults in St. Petersburg. And then uh, we decided to apply for a new job and we got um, a job in East Timor. Well, it was a funny story because I was looking for a well-paid job because I wanted to help my parents and get like, stable with finance and everything. And East Timor was like really highly paid and we couldn't understand why. But when we arrived, we understood, (laughs) because that country was just after the war, there were a lot of peacekeepers and we were working for uh, a company helping out people uh, learn English, like we were teaching the government basically, like university professors and ministries, like uh, so they get stable with their language skills and they can like uh, build their relationship with other countries. But, yeah, that experience was the most interesting one (laughs) because it was, like, coming from a big city to a small island with no infrastructure. I had to learn, like, how to drive a motorbike and things like that. But I'm really grateful that I grew a lot as a person. Like, I learned a lot from this experience.
0: And how long were you there?
1: Uh, In East Timor, we were about uh, a year. Like, we were, yeah, we were there for a year. And um, money was great. You fulfilled your contract. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We signed the contract. We were uh, we were considering to stay longer to save money, but um, it was getting more dangerous because there was this conflict between Australians and the Maries because uh, well, if you follow up the news, I guess like uh, at that point, if I remember, it was twenty sixteen. And they were unhappy that Australians take their oil. And um, there were some local people, like tribes, they didn't like it. And they started attacking foreigners. And we decided, like, yeah, it's quite dangerous. So we left to Kuala Lumpur,
0: wow. to Malaysia. So then from East Timor, you, you and your husband both moved to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, yeah, right. and you worked there as English teachers again?
1: Yeah, we were growing with that. Yeah, then we started being like um, what what is called like director of studies, managing okay. schools, training other teachers. Uh, yeah, so basically building career in this area. And after that, we moved to China. Yeah.
0: And then after that, to China. Yeah. And where are you living now?
1: Well, it's a funny story. After China, we, we went back to Malaysia again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, because of the pandemic, like coronavirus situation, uh, our company we are working for got shut down, and uh, they cancelled our work visits in Malaysia, and we had to go back to one country where both of us could go back. So we had two options: Ukraine or New Zealand. And I started collecting documents for New Zealand, uh, but I was missing one paper, which is police check from China, okay. and China doesn't issue police check outside the country. And I couldn't go back because of coronavirus, so the only option was Ukraine. Uh, So we got back, now my husband is applying for a permanent residency, and we started our own online company, and we're teaching business English uh, to uh, other companies who need English.
0: Great, great. So the reason I invited you on to Radical Personal Finance was that this is a very current story. I teach a class called how to survive and thrive during the coming economic crisis. And you faced an economic crisis caused by a military Mm -hmm. crisis. Uh, And, you know, it can happen in many places faster than you would imagine. You go on holiday and all of a sudden you can't come back from holiday. So we're here, of course, at Nomad Capitalist Live talking about international strategies, citizenship, residency, etc. And you've lived through a very disconcerting period. So um, you're doing fine. You and your husband are are set, set settling in Ukraine in the Ukraine in Ukraine because that's where um, where you have residency rights. Looking back, if you could go back and do some points of preparation, that would have made things easier for you. What nice. would you have done? Knowing what you know now, <laughs> if you could talk to a 20-year-old, and imagine money's no object, obviously it is, but money's no object, time's no object, what, what advice would you give to someone to prepare for such a thing to get through like it faster if you and have, easier? Uh,
1: if you have time to prepare. Yeah.
0: Assume somebody's living in a peaceful place, but they would, they would want to have a plan in case all of a sudden they had to flee. What would you do? Well,
1: I think everyone should already get ready for this kind of cases and always have a backup plan. That situation taught me uh, that you need to have a backup plan. And I mean by that, like a second citizenship or a house somewhere else or some something where you can fly to and you can easily stay there. And um, I can't, like, um, if, if you ask me about countries, where would I go instead, like, instead of Russia or somewhere else? Yeah, there are many options. Like, I would maybe plan to go to Mexico. Like, right now we're in Mexico, and I really like it. And it's really easy for Ukrainian citizens just to come here. And you can stay here three months without any problem. You can go to Argentina anywhere you want. Um, but, uh, again, just right now, at this point of my life, I realized I wanted to have several passports, I want to have property, which I can call home, at least in several countries. So in case this happens, I can take all my family and go there. And yeah, I guess that's that's advice. Don't wait until it happens. Just right. think about it right now because I didn't expect it at all. Like it's Europe, it's 21st century. And like you see the tank like in the street and people can like hear like m- missiles and like the house opposite mine got destroyed. And it's just like, it's unbelievable. Um, So yeah, don't wait until it happens.
0: And what I would point out, just what I observe, is you've been able to survive and even thrive during this time because of your educational background. You have strong academic credentials, a master's degree in linguistics. You have strong language skills. Right, Your English is world class and that's allowed you employment security. Yeah, right. And even though you started with nothing, you and your husband have been able to earn money, I'm sure save enough that you can go from position to position and that allows you to stabilize yourself. And yeah. so you did a lot of things really well that allowed you to get through this time probably better than some of your friends because of of that proper planning. And then yes, it would be easier if you had multiple residencies, yeah, exactly. a house in another place and multiple citizenships.
1: I've got to also add like networking, you know, right. like when when you got a chance to go to other countries to go to conferences like that always like make connection get to know people so in this kind of cases like there will be someone to help like even if you have no options at all no one can help, your family can help you people are nice like if you have friends if you have someone like just yeah keep in touch yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Alina, right. thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. What is the name of you and your husband's business that you have now?
1: Uh, Corporate English Online. It's Corporate C- English CEO. Online. Yeah.
0: Okay, corporateenglishonline.com?
1: Yes, that's And you're right.
0: teaching business English to non-native speakers who want right. to improve yeah. their, their language skills. Exactly. Do you have digital classes for people, or is it all in-person It's all work?
1: online. <laughs> it's all online? Yeah, we have classes on Zoom, and we have some online products, like online uh, video lessons and things
0: Great, right. like so that. corporateenglishonline.com. Yeah. Thank you, Alina.
1: Thank you very much.